You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Tuesday, once again, uh, happy Juneteenth. It's, uh, well, yesterday would have been the observance of Juneteenth. And then happy Father's Day to all of the dads and father figures out there and all the women pulling double duty it is a deal royster chill variety chill vibes as always on this podcast the nba offseason is now officially in full swing now that the golden state warriors have won the nba title uh lots of things going on on the site about the draft and uh free agency as well and my guest it's not dave not david early this time it's actually jackson frank who I've had on the podcast a couple of times, and I was like talking to Jackson, wrote a couple of pieces about a couple of free agent pieces that have become available. So we're going to discuss all that and then some some hardened news that came out this week. So Jackson, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm uh, trying to figure out how to make uh, use of the, the added time that we have now. There's not, you know, there's not a game. I guess we added a lot of time already since there was so much time in between games, but I uh, just starting to navigate the offseason, but I'm doing well. It's a beautiful beautiful monday evening in portland so i cannot complain yeah i've been struggling to find things to both talk about and write about it's like okay how many times can i come on a podcast and flame doc rivers like i don't know how many more times i can do that this summer yeah but we're, we're getting to the end of it right we got the draft this week we got free agency will be right on the corner summer league it'll be august and september i think are really going to be those, those trying months for uh, most of the nba community when it comes to filling content and whatnot so let's start with the free agent period with this. And uh, like you said, free agency is going to be coming up. And today, in fact, uh, about half an hour before I recorded this podcast, it was reported that PJ Tucker is going to opt out of his seven and a half million dollar player option and enter free agency. Um, did they, Did you find that shocking in any bit? I wouldn't say shocking. I found it a little surprising, but I do think, you know, given he's, well, he's 37 years old, right. Um, just had a great year. I'd imagine he's trying to, you know, parlay that you know, stellar season into a little, you know, long-term stability. And when I say long-term, I'm talking, you know, maybe two years, maybe three year deal. Um, I'd imagine he's back in Miami. He was so good for them this past year. Um, his versatility is defensively and ability to kind of, you know, work the corners as a shooter and, and do some rolling and cutting makes a lot of sense there. So I wasn't really surprised. I, I would, I would be more shocked if he does not end up back in Miami, which may might spoil our conversation here, but um, that, that was, that'd be the most shocking out, outcome for me. I think he's probably going to make a little bit more money and, and stay in, in Miami, but who knows? So kind of turning down the short-term bag in replacement for the long-term bag that he's probably almost assuredly going to get from Miami. Yeah, and when we say long term, obviously, like I said earlier, it's, we're not we're not talking like he turned down a player option to get four years or five years. I'm thinking, you know, uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a two sixteen, maybe a three twenty four with you know a partial guarantee in the third year. Um, just something to kind of you know 
give him a, a security beyond this next season because, you know, he obviously played well enough to, you know, entice teams and the, the Heat included. So we shall see. He was part of Milwaukee's title run in 2021. He was part of Miami's title run this past year. Uh, the numbers that you suggest, something like two years, 16, it is important to point out that the uh, Miami Heat do have the bird rights on him, so they can offer him eight and a half. Um, Brian uh, Toporek explained any kind of a path for the Sixers to sign him. From the Sixers' perspective, if Harden opts in, they'd have to salary dump Corkmaz and take back no salary in order to have the room to offer to Tucker. Number one, would the Sixers do that? Let's start there. Is there yeah. is there a place for PJ Tucker on this team, especially given how like after the season ended, something that people, well, the Sixers, uh, some teammates, some coaches, and some front office people are just like this team needs toughness. <laughs> Yeah, I will. I will know. It looks like uh, Brian specified the non-bird rights, which are a little different, um, but they still have eight point four there. But but yeah, I think you know. Uh, I think like it, as much as I've enjoyed watching Corkmos over the past few years, I think that like if you have a chance to carve out room to sign a PJ Tucker, uh, like he has, there's mutual interest there. You that's this. It's a no-brainer, right? I mean, PJ they they needed you know beyond just the the proverbiality of toughness. They, I think a specific skill on the court they needed more of was, was strength and versatility on the wing defensively. Yeah. And as, as I noted, PJ brings that he can guard, you know, kind of two and a half, three, three and a half positions fairly capably. Um, you know, he shot really well from three this year. I, I wouldn't bank on him shooting about 40% from three again next year. Um, but clearly shot well there, especially from the corners, had a little bit of a floater game as well. And some pick and roll stuff. Um, we know that James Harden likes to use some kind of non-traditional rollers at times, you know, whether it's a Matisse you know, Maxi would screen for him. Maxi would usually kind of pop into the perimeter, but um, there's clearly a fit here on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't. I think the the defense should translate, but I, I wouldn't bank again on him shooting. I think he shot 41 percent the regular season from three and 45 percent in the playoffs. So um, I think if you can get league average 36, 37 percent from him, uh, you'd be comfortable there. But the defense, I do think, will translate. You know, across you know an array of contexts. So um, that definitely makes sense. They just need more guys who can guard two through four, and and Tucker can do that pretty. Uh, pretty capably. I do agree with you that it's more likely that he just re-signs with Miami than signs somewhere else because of how close Miami was to get to the finals this year. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why he would kind of jeopardize that and go elsewhere where there's a little bit of uncertainty, especially when it comes to the Sixers. Like we don't know exactly what's happening with some of the roster. And we'll get into one piece in the second half of the podcast. But let's move on to another free agent that you also uh, penned a column about. And actually, let's let's do a pair. Uh, Cody and Caleb Martin. I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't know too much about either of these guys until the playoffs. And then when they were playing against the Sixers, I saw them a lot more. And I don't know. Is, is there one that stands out kind of over the other? Or are they both kind of the same player? Yeah, that, I mean, that was what's, you know, it was funny because when I wrote this article, you know, I'm going through my notes for the regular season and and kind of, you know, and checking and because I generally had the kind of the similar idea that there are these defensive minded wings who can kind of attack closeouts a little bit and get downhill and they're strong. And uh, and going through my notes, I was like, hmm, maybe I maybe I'd been too kind of simplistic on that. And so I think there are broadly they are similar. I think that's a totally reasonable kind of uh, understanding of them. But 
Uh, there are some differences. Cody's a better passer. Caleb's a better shooter. Uh, can create with the, the ball in his hands a little more. Caleb's better on the ball defensively. I think Cody's a little better kind of working off the ball, being a roamer uh, and whatnot. So those are kind of the biggest distinctions to me. But still, guys, if you can attack closeouts, uh, guard a couple of positions on the perimeter, two or three positions, uh, good cutters, both of them as well. Um, advanced metrics favored Caleb this year. I think I still preferred Cody's game, but it's hard to knock the guy who shot 41% from three during the regular season. That's what Caleb did. Uh, pretty good kind of relocating across along the baseline. Um, if anyone who read my piece, you probably saw some similar plays with Caleb to Danny Green playing that baseline going from corner to corner. So um, that was kind of the biggest differences to me. But uh, the, the biggest kind of hindrance, I think, for the Sixers signing either of these guys, they're both restricted free agents. Yeah. Um, you know, which means that the, the, the Hornets and Heat are free to retain them, assuming, you know, that they wish to do so. I would, I would imagine that both teams would like them back. The Hornets are, you know, quite compromised defensively, and Cody is among their few perimeter, good perimeter defenders of last year. Um, Caleb, you know, similar to, Co- to PJ Tucker, fits in with that Heat, you know, uh, style can guard a few positions on the perimeter is a smart off ball mover uh, can shoot from the perimeter as well. So um, I would be surprised if either of these guys aren't, you know, staying in the Southeast division, but uh, I could see a position, especially maybe in Cody's case where for whatever reason a team throws him a little more than, than maybe what Hornets are willing to offer. And I don't know if the Sixers can get to that, that range, um, but also in Cody's position, maybe he, you know, and it's tough because he doesn't have this autonomy, right? They restricted free agency, um, you know, is it can be a pretty flawed process at times that he can't he can't leave, you know, even if he wants to go somewhere else, if, if the Hornets want to match. But if the Hornets don't want to match, I could see a, t- a thing where Cody want, you know, he's kind of right in the heart of his career. You know, they're both they both came out at 22, 23 years old. Um, he's 25, 26 at this point, and maybe he wants to go play for a team that has a better chance to win a title. So um, I think among the two of them or between the two of them, excuse me, Cody is more likely to depart his current situation. Um but I, but I would not, you know, I'm not a betting man much, but I wouldn't bet on either of those things um, coming to uh, fruition. And the thing about either of these guys is that, you know, Danny Green had towards ACL, so he's recovering. And it would be nice to have some wing depth on top of that. But like you said, they're restricted free agents and the Sixers are not exactly in any kind of position to price another team out of a market by like overpaying for somebody in restricted free agency and forcing them to make that decision. Yeah. And I would say what's working in their benefit, at least in Cody's, you know, uh, situation is that the Hornets are probably going to pay miles, miles bridges this summer. Right. And I think Shams Trani had an article this morning that said that he's expected to get close to the max. Uh, and there's been some hesitancy about the Hornets wanting to pay that, but I think ultimately they will. And then next, next summer you could have the Lumi Lamello Lamello ball extension. Um, so there's a couple of hefty deals, you know, I don't know what, you know, I, I would imagine that Michael Jordan is willing to, you know, pay the, you know, pay a luxury tax, but there might be a, there might be kind of a, him looking down the route line and saying he doesn't want to. So um, that's something I would just be at least thinking about if in the event that Cody, you know, ends up as a sixer or another team. And we're, we're thinking like, wow, I thought that was a pretty reasonable deal for him. I'm surprised that, you know, Charlotte <laughs> didn't watch. So um, just something to keep in mind, you know, max deal this year, maybe a max extension after for, you know, the, the young superstar that young rising superstar that is Lamella ball. So um, just something to, to keep in mind, but I, but I would expect Cody to be back. But again, that's, that's just speculation. It's just kind of examining all the options and kind of you know, being ready for any outcome that occurs. The last person I want to talk about in this part of the podcast is uh, Gary Payton II, who I actually really like as an idea for the Sixers as a pickup. But 
I got to say, it is going to be really hard to think that Peyton is going to leave Golden State, especially one, since they just won a title, two, because they have, the Warriors do, they have the unrestricted uh, early bird rights. So because he was so important to that team defensively, especially in some of those uh, really small lineups where you really need somebody that's that point of attack menace, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Peyton would leave Golden State. I mean, if he did, that would be awesome because then that means that's just one more wing that can maybe guard twos and threes and and points as well. But yeah, I, I got to say, I'm not, I'm not too hopeful this might happen. I there's one name that I'm really on the pot on the box about, and I'll get into him in a minute. But if Peyton is available, he definitely climbs to the top of that list. Yeah, and I think a, a common theme among some of these first few guys that I'm, you know, I've written about in free agency is, you know, there's probably a price that its current team or team of last year uh, won't meet, but I don't think the Sixers are capable of getting to that price. And I think that's probably going to be the case with Kerry Payton. I could see a team giving him a pretty, you know, hefty contract. You know, um, I think Golden State was a really awesome context for him, um, mm-hmm. just because how much like he's so good defensively but also because of how much attention a guy like Steph Curry or Jordan Poole uh, command on the ball that allows him to do his thing as a cutter and whatnot. So that's really important. You're not going to like the Sixers have guys that, you know, can command attention to Joel and, and James Harden, but um, a lot of teams don't. So I could see a team throwing him a significant bag uh, and him, him taking that, but uh, I don't think the Sixers are, are that team, but um, yeah, a part of the, you know, maybe part of this was me just really kind of wanting to write about his game a little bit because I just had yeah. to, I had such fun watching it all year and he was really impactful in the finals too. So I'm um, not could have been part of it, but he is a guy that, you know, you know, who, who knows what the Sixers might be able to free up cap with cap space wise. I know there's a potential path to them getting to the non taxpayer Emily, which is about 10 million a year. And so, um, you know, and I think the Warriors might be able to, I was, someone was saying it, maybe this could be off base. I don't want to be incorrect, but somebody might've been saying they could offer up to like 11 million a year. The, the Warriors could. So, um, you know, I'm not, if I were Gary Payton, I would take the 11 million from the reigning champs over the team that continues to, to be out <laughs> in the second round, but, uh, I am not Gary Payton. So I don't, I don't know there for sure, but yeah, I totally agree that his, his cutting, his, his ability to be a roller, uh, he's truly an incredible finisher. Like, I think I had some of the stats and like, I think he's got like 81% of the rim this year and granted wow. yeah, a, lot of, a lot of that is coming, you know, assisted, but, uh, you gotta be really, really good as a finisher at, at that size. Uh, to, you know, make four out of every five shots at the rim. I think, <laughs> like, I think Joel this year shot like 72, 75%, and he has, you know, got about a foot and, and 35, 40 pounds on Gary Payton <laughs> at, at least. So, um, yeah, that and the cutting, the defense, he's, he's good off the ball as well. He's not just a point of attack guy, and it gets around screens really well. That first round um, against the Nuggets, he gave Bones Highland a lot of issues. Granted, Bones Highland's, you know, a first-year player, you know, net, you know, assimilating to playoff basketball, but um, I thought that was really impressive, but but yeah, he's awesome. And, you know, I, I think he's probably going to stay in, in Golden State just because that's kind of where he, you know, he found his his footing this this past year after about a half a decade of, you know, you know, swirling around the G League and kind of on the fringes of some other NBA rosters. So, um, you know, you talk about you talk about kind of P.J. Tucker, if I'm shocked about that, I would be shocked if if Gary Payton doesn't doesn't resign on the reigning champs who you know gave him his first uh, consistent opportunity. Is having Payton and Thibault on the same team kind of redundant? I don't think it's re- I think maybe in the regular season, but like, I, I just think Peyton's a way better player. And so like, if you signed Gary, you'd probably have, you'd probably be looking to move off Matisse. I mean, I think what's so remarkable about Peyton this past year is or this past playoffs is 
He is a six, two, six. I think he's listed at six, three, he's probably six, one and a half, six, two, six, two guard who was defensive minded and doesn't have much of a threatening jumper. And yet he still had about the same impact in the playoffs as in the regular season. You don't see that very often. And so, um, the fact that, wow. he was playing, you know, I think, I think in game five of the, the finals, he played like 25 minutes. Um, the fact that he was in like some pretty key fourth current lineups of the finals, despite him being kind of this archetype that often sees its value kind of fade as we, you know, as we've seen with Matisse Thibel. Um, I think even to an extent, you could say a guy like Ben Simmons, I know it's a different, you know, kind of Ben's much bigger, but you know, defensive minded, but a shooting limitation. Sewer subject. Sewer subject. <laughs> I, I understand. But I think at this point we can, you know, it's been long enough, but, but just the idea, right. That a defensive minded guy who can't really shoot that well, typically has issues in the playoffs and, you know, Gary Payton didn't really have issues, you know, for the, for the most part. So really impressive pressure player that I expect to be back in, um, in golden state. But if he decides to look elsewhere, the, in, and the Sixers are under that elsewhere umbrella, I would I would put him, you know, right at the top of that list if I'm, you know, the Sixers front office. I have one name that keeps floating to the top of my list, and I can't remember who it was that did a piece on him. I think it was Harrison. It might have been you. I can't remember. But um, he may or may not be affordable, but Gary Harris, that's, that's my guy as far as, like, MLE low-ish cost guys that could at least serve some kind of role while Danny's out. That's that's kind of number one on my list right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, I actually, yeah, I did write about him. That was uh, you, okay. I knew yeah. it was, I knew it was either you or Harrison. Yeah, yeah, Harrison's done a really good job with some six rephrase and targets too. So I, I am, I'm honored to be confused with that with his coverage. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like, I like Gary Harris a lot on the Sixers. He's a guy that I. Like I feel like with some of these other players, we have a, maybe a decent like that we've talked about thus far. Um, whether it's on your pod or other pods or I've written about, I have a decent feel for kind of his market within, you know, two to three million dollars. I think Harris is really interesting because like he was very good last year, especially from like December onward or late November yes. onward. But the last couple of years before that, he had struggled to either stay healthy to shoot the ball well. I don't think he was as spry defensively. Um, and so that's kind of a weird spot to be in, but I, I think he's, and as I wrote in the piece, I think he's totally the kind of the, the sort of worthwhile gamble the Sixers should be making. Like if he's, if he's willing to come to you on a two twelve, maybe a three eighteen with some caveats in terms of, you know, shooting percentages or games played or minutes played, I think that's a totally worthwhile, um, sign to make. He's, he shot really well from the corners this past year on threes. Um, he's smaller than Danny, but I think you'd kind of be looking for him to approximate that Danny green role. Um, and again, it's tough cause he's six, four, Danny's six, seven, um, but shot like 48% from the corners on threes, good cutter, really good finisher this past year before the injuries. Um, he was a tremendous finisher. He and Nicole Jokic hooked up all the time for like cuts and things like that. Um, Joel is obviously not the caliber of passer of, of Jokic, but is, is still a very good passer, especially among big men. So, um, he definitely got better this year too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think point B is maybe he wouldn't, he wouldn't necessarily have the same connection as Jokic did, but you could see a similar path there for sure. Um, and Gary's can guard a couple of positions at the point of attack. I thought his lateral mobility looked a lot better the last few months of the year. Um, can get around screens pretty well, good hands. So uh, I, I really like Gary Harris to, to the Sixers. I've, you know, I think this is probably going to be the second or third pod I've, I've talked about him as a fit. Uh, and I think he's the most plausible of the guys that I've written about. You know, I've written about the Martin twins, Gary Payton, uh, the second, uh, Wesley Matthews. Uh, I think, you know, uh, maybe I'm missing someone else, but I think that's it for now. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's a, a lot of bodies, a lot of names yeah, you have to remember. I'll, I'll have probably half a dozen more before uh, free agency really picks off. But um, 
or try to at least, at least three or four. But uh, I think Gary's by far the most plausible guy here just because the situation is in. Maybe he likes Orlando, not seen otherwise. Um, but, you know, he's kind of right in the prime of his career. Maybe he wants to go to a team that provides a more immediate winning situation. So um, I think he totally makes sense. But I, I but I do wonder, you know, maybe as a team, throw him a 324 or a 220, you know, with some caveats there in terms of minutes and whatnot. But uh, if the market is is not as abundant as maybe I anticipate, I you know, I think he's clearly – a guy that the Sixers should be all over and could really help them because they need, they, they need more. They could, they could need, they need someone to approximate Danny to floor spacing role. They need more perimeter defense. And while he's not maybe the, the six, seven, six, eight range, you win that every Sixers fan wants and this team clearly use, um, he is very good. And if you're, you're not going to find the six, eight, six, seven rangey wings for uh, the MLE who can play in the playoffs. So I think Gary is a guy that makes a lot of sense with kind of his versatile defense and off ball scoring. That's what I'm kind of worried about when it comes to Gary Harris and literally any other wing players. The fact that like the 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 ones that can be somewhat of an impact are probably going to get like priced out because it doesn't seem like this year's free agent class is like ripe with them as they were in previous years. Or maybe I'm just not paying attention enough. I think in general, this free agent class is not great overall. Um, but I, but I just think like and I, I think I've written about it at least one or two of my uh, my free agency profiles like the Sixers are currently so like hamstrung financially. Like you're just like, you're not going to find this, like this, like skeleton key wing who can start in the playoffs for you and guard three positions and shoot 38% from three on high volume. Like, it's just, you don't like those guys generally going to run you, you know, double digits, or I guess I should say eight digits, right. You're we're talking about guys in seven digits, but yeah, um, you're just not going to find those guys. But I think Gary Harris makes a lot of sense. I think he, He's a different player than Shake Milton, but I think he'd clearly be like your third best guard. Um, I, you like I, I would worry a little bit about how small you'd be on the perimeter. If I mean, I know Harden is six six, but he's not. You know, he's not some rangy, agile perimeter defender. Yeah. Right? So um, I think I'd worry a little bit about him, Maxi, and, and Harden. But uh, again, you you can't like you're not going to solve every issue that you currently have in your roster when you're signing someone with the MLE, right? Like, it's just it's just not yeah. how not how the, the NBA works. But yeah, I like Gary a lot. Um, I don't think this free agent market is great. I think like I, I could see Gary, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know his intentions, but um, the Sixers could clearly offer him, you know, a, a significant role. He fits alongside their stars. Well, he compliments Joel well on both sides of the ball. Um, he wasn't great above the break from three, which I think is a bit of a bummer because that dampens some of his appeal as kind of a pick and pop threat with, with Harden, as we saw within the Yang or even a maxi at times. Right. Um, so that's kind of, I think is about 34%, which is not great, but it's not terrible. Um, so I, but I think there's clearly a good fit here and um, the Sixers could provide a winning situation if it's enough winning for Gary. And if it's, if, if it's the amount, if it's the proper amount of winning and money, I don't know, but um, the Sixers clearly are, you know, he can benefit from his skill set, And I think, you know, he could, you could really kind of give them a, a, a nice boost on both sides of the ball. All right. So let's take a quick break. Let's uh, now that we've talked about uh, players that could be signed by the Sixers, let's take a little break and then come back and talk about a player that maybe wants to be resigned by the Sixers. And that's James Aloysius Harden. I know that's not his middle name, but that's what I call him anyway. Uh, so we are going to take a little break, satisfy some of the sponsors for Vox Media and the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can find all of your fine Liberty Ballers podcast mediums. It's the Outside Podcast with uh, Jackson Frank. We'll be right back after a message from these words. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. It is Tuesday, June 21st, and I'm talking with Jackson Frank. We're talking about free agency. Went into a little discussion about some free agents that are on the market that the Sixers could target. But now we're going to talk about a current player on the Sixers who um, looking to get a new bag from this from this team. And uh, that's James Harden. And according to Jake Fisher, uh, quote, all signs point towards all-star guard James Harden returning to Philadelphia on a shorter term contract extension. Um, He does say that the ownership group has been hesitant to the idea of giving Harden the full four-year max beyond this upcoming season or the five-year deal that Harden would be eligible for if he chose to decline that player option for next season. That is a lot to take in. And I am wondering, I, clearly, I definitely have a preference. Shorter term deal, and if Harden takes a little bit less money so they can fill out some of the edges on this roster, that would be fantastic. But if he's doing like a two-and-one, I can be happy with that and close to the max so that Harden can finally win a ring. I'm actually okay with that. I, where, where do you fall on this? Two-and-one or multiple years? Yeah, I mean, I think – I, I mean, obviously, ideally for you know, for the Sixers team building, yes, Harden, you know, taking a discount would would help. But I just I hear that ha- I hear about that all the time when a team is kind of you know capped out. It's like, oh, the star is up for a new deal, might take a take a pay pay cut. It just doesn't happen. Like I just I don't want to be like that. I don't want to you know ran on your parade or any any Sixers. But it just isn't the way things go. Um, but I do think it does sound like a, a lesser deal in terms of uh, you know years. Is going to happen, and I think that does make sense, just because like I'm optimistic that Harden is going to be a better player next year with a full offseason to figure things out and and fully remove himself um, from that, that hamstring injury about a year ago. It's it's crazy that like one would hope so. It's only been a year, like about I think been twelve and a half months. I mean, Game Seven of uh, Bucks Nets was like I think late June. Right? I mean, so it was you know so um, that's when the second round was going on last year, but. Um, I, but I think even if that, even if I'm optimistic about that, like there is still some concern about how Harden continues to age, um, not necessarily because of the hamstring itself, but just because he carried a ridiculous workload for nearly a decade in Houston, barely missed time. Yes. Um, and so, like, it just, you know, he's what, he's 32 now or something. So, like, there's, there is, there is justifiable hesitancy about like what it, what he might look like at 37 on the back end of that deal. And, and granted, that'll be a totally different era of Sixers basketball. Joel will be a different player than he is now. I'm not saying he will be a worse player, but he'll <laughs> be a different player. Um, just in a half a decade, like every player in the NBA in a half a decade will be a different. It's just it's just the way things go. Father time um, is undefeated. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes sense for, for the Sixers to take that shorter term deal. Um, it seemed, you know, Fisher's been on the nose about a bunch of different topics, you know, the last couple of years. Um, he was early on the Harden's like discontent in Brooklyn as well. I think like mid mid to late January, he had an article in Bleacher Report about it. 
Um, you know, so that was kind of maybe right around things started to heat up, but um, well before the Sixers and Nets had at least, at least like publicly were, you know, engaged in trade talks. So um, I, I, it seems like it's pretty plausible and even likely, but um, who's to say for sure, but I do think it, you know, it, it does, it does serve, you know, the Sixers long-term flexibility better um, in that sense, but, but who knows? And I obviously you know Harden's still going to get a significant, um, you know, significant pay payday. And you talk about a significant payday, like from August 10th onward, and this is in your piece, uh, he can, he Harden can get an 8% raise and get about 150.8 million between 2022, 23 and 2024, 25. If he opts out, max earnings over three years would be 150.7. Um, this is the thing, though, if I'm Harden, like, I've made a butt-ton of money. Like, I'm out here for legacy now. I'm out here for Hall of Fame credentials now, and I I need that ring. So if you're Harden, wouldn't you – and, like, I hate to even try to put you in a position where you have to think like James Harden, but, like, that's kind of where his mind should be at right now. Like, at what point do some of these older players just go like, all right, I've made an S-ton of money – and now I just need to cement my legacy. Like, I don't know why that doesn't like switch on for more players when they hit like 31, 32, if they haven't won a ring by then. Yeah. I, I, I think like it's interesting because I, I think fans, media, general consumers of, of these sports, we often adhere to that, but like, it's just so hard to know because athletes are just such like, they just operate so differently, I think. And totally agree. Like, they have such a different level of wealth that like, I, I can't even like conceptualize it. So like to, to me, yeah, if I had made, if I had made as much as Harden would, you know, I, like theoretically, yeah, I would, I would be looking to, to take a pay cut, but I, I've never had anywhere, even a, a, a shrivel of the wealth, wealth that he, <laughs> he has. So I, I can't, I can't even come close to, to um, no one on staff at Liberty Ball is that yeah, no yeah. one, not one of us. Yeah, exactly. But um, I see the appeal for sure, but yeah, I bet like I'm never, you know, I'm never going to tell a guy to take take less than he was on the table. So um, I, I would see others uh, either way. You know, there's been you know some rumors about maybe him doing that, but I just I just feel like I've heard those rumors in in past situations, independent of Harden, and maybe I'm forgetting an example or two, but it doesn't feel like those ever really actually manifest. Um, that kind of thing happens it's... way more often in the NFL than it does in the NBA or almost any other sport. Cause you see guys like Tom Brady take pay cuts and you're seeing guys like that. Like, you know, Russell Wilson's a bad example because he took all of the Denver bag, but you know, sometimes it happens. It happened with Tom Brady in new England for a number of years and then did it again in Tampa Bay. It's just like NBA yeah, players just don't do that. I think I think Dirk was notorious for it for a few years. Maybe Dirk was Duncan. also notorious. I think for it. Duncan, I think Tim Duncan as well. Tim Duncan as well, um, yeah. Um, but I can't I can't remember many other guys, many other superstars. You know, if you want to call Harden a star at this point, um, any other like stars willingly taking you know a significant discount. And, you know, yeah, he's a star. He needs to earn back that superstar <laughs> label. That's, like, I'm, that's taking it, I'm taking yeah. it away from him for now. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I I would kind of delineate it. You know, all NBA versus All Star. You know, there's superstar and then all and all and All Star. Right now, Harden is just the All Star uh, caliber these days. But um, yeah, I I like I could see him taking less because it, like if, if I mean, and I, I don't want to phrase this this in a poor but like like if if his goal really is to give the Sixers the greatest chance, like if that's his primary goal to get to build a title contender, then yeah, he'd take less. But I but I. I don't like, maybe that's not his primary goal. And if it isn't, that's also fine. So I'm not, you know, that sound that first phrase for me sounds so like, 
almost like what's the like condemning, but it's not like, if that's not his primary goal, I'm not, I'm not criticizing him, but, right. um, but yeah, I think, you know, if, if it, it is title or bust for him, then, then maybe he would take less, but I'm never going to tell him to do that. And I would never expect him to do that or so. And if it's not Tyler bust, I don't have, I don't have an issue either. So um, that's kind of my hopefully nuanced take that doesn't, isn't saying that like he has to take less money if he cares about winning. And by no means is that, you know, my implication at all, but I yeah, like- it would, it would help that if he it would help the Sixers if he did, but I, it's, if he doesn't, then so be it. I like the idea of less years versus less money, because, you know, like you said, nobody really wants to be paying $37 million or $50 million to 37 year old James Harden. And that's one of the things that I was kind of worried about when they traded for him was just like, okay, when it's time for him to sign that contract, the back end of that is going to be terrible. But when you look at Joel Embiid, who's 28 right now, a two and one for Harden gives you a nice three-year window. And if it doesn't quite work out, I don't know if Embiid is going to drop off way too much in that time. You can still kind of build around him a little bit. So depending on what the free agency market looks like in three years, maybe Harden's money comes off and they get that player that really does pair perfectly with Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's a really you know well well explained kind of appeal of it, right? That like like you just you know Harden at thirty five, you know what he's is it, I keep saying he's thirty two, and I want to make sure that's correct. Yeah, he's thirty two. Nice job. Um, Harden at thirty five, you know, is you know probably not going to be the you know because I think there's still a chance next year that he gets back to all 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 NBA you know levels like I, like I've talked about you know, on your pod and other pods and maybe written about it at times, but. Harden at 35, 36, then, then you start to have some real pause, right? Just because of, you know, it's, it's a rarity that a Chris Paul or LeBron, um, you know, is still playing at all NBA caliber level. Or even um, a Kobe sometimes. Yeah. 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 Um, so it, it's just, it's not even necessarily an indictment on Harden himself. It's just kind of the, the nature of things. And so, yeah, I mean, Embiid just turned 28 a few months ago at uh, 31, you could still clearly expect him to be excellent. I think he like, you know, he's had his fair share of injuries, but I think he like the way his skill level has grown over the past few years and how, like how high feel of a player he is. I think you can expect him to create to age very well. Maybe not, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be MVP finalist, you know, at age 31, but it could still see him being a top 10 player, you know, rather than kind of that, that, cause I think he's in that first tier currently of however many guys you want to put in there. But um, I think I could see him maybe in that, that one B tier at age 31 and still a guy that like, if you get the right star around him, right co-star next to him, you're still right there in the, in the mix or yeah. maybe you're finally, I shouldn't say right there still because the Sixers quite frankly haven't been in the mix for a, for a title with MB <laughs> yet, but I could see, like I'm saying, I could see a case where he's 31 years old or whatever, 38, 30 years old. Um, and he's, you know, he's still an excellent player, a guy that you can have be your, your one B or your co-star. I mean, we saw, you know, we, like, I, this is what, this is a weird parallel because it'd be on different start kind of different parts of their prime or their peak, but we saw, you know, the Celtics with Jason Tatum and that maybe that one, I put Tatum in that one B tier and they came within, you know, a couple of games of winning the title. Like, of yes. course, you want that one, a you want that Steph, you want that Giannis, but I don't think by any means it's impossible to get a title contender with a, a top nine to 12 player rather than that top five to six kind of where you'd put a, you put an Embiid. And if you want to put Embiid higher, that's cool too. But point being is yes, I think you could still clearly win at 31 with Joel right there. And if Harden was, you know, kind of right at the twilight of his career and as he was no longer on, you know, under on your payroll, you could still pivot somewhere else if you had to. 
this offseason is going to be fun. Like, there's plenty of avenues for the Sixers to go, especially with some of the options that they have. And then, you know, this Harden thing, how it shakes out, that's going to be interesting to see how they uh, optimize it going forward. And it, we'll just have to analyze when uh, free agency is over. Like, this would be Daryl's second full offseason. So time to earn that paycheck, my man. And I think, you know, where I kind of how I've tried to nuance my, my Daryl, like the things he's done well versus the further where he struggled. I think like the last couple of years, maybe in season, he struggled a little bit. Like, of course he got hard and that was, that was a very good move that like helped their team. But like, you maybe would have hoped for him to make one more move. And then last year you would have hoped that the move be, would have been something beyond trading for George Hill. Um, but in the offseason, yeah. you've seen him make good moves, right? You've seen him, they've made some, they've drafted fairly well. Um, you know, and they, they signed George Niang and an Andre Drummond in the year before they traded for Seth Curry and, and got Danny Green. Sixers you know, legend Andre Drummond, but only in yeah. my head. No, no, see, I, I loved Andre Stan. <laughs> okay, so it's um, not just me. Good. But point being, right, that is he's he's done very well to amplify this roster in the offseason, but he's maybe fallen short of expectations in the regular, like in season trades. So um, I think the expectations would be that he does he does some good things, and if he doesn't he will clearly draw more criticism because I think he's warranted some criticism in season, but has done well in the off season. And so the time it, it is the off season last I checked. And so he should uh, kind of hold up to, to kind of his last couple of years. And I, I think he'll do some good things, but um, he clearly has his work cut out for him because um, the last couple, his couple predecessors did not make, uh, did not allow for much margin of error to build a, a true title contender around Embiid. Summer of Daryl part two, here we go. Jackson, always fun talking to you. Looking forward to all of your content about other free agents that you have coming up. Uh, really looking forward to that possible Hassan Whiteside piece. No, I'm kidding. Um, maybe I, 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 I am like I I I, I was on uh, live stream with with Jazz and Paul today. I don't like I'm I'm all in on Paul right. I think that like you you let you roll into the season with that guy as your backup center. I think allocating any sort of like free agency money um, to a backup center would not be ideal. I, I think Paul Reed can be the guy. Um, so as much as I think Hassan Watchley is a fine backup big man, I, I think, and I would, you know, maybe in another world, I would write about him. I, I think Paul Reed has proven uh, in his month that he got to play uh, that he is, he's clearly a guy that they can, they can bank on or should at least try to bank on over the next year. I, I just like poking the bear. That is Steve Littman and Emily. So, you know, that that's just my, that's my little uh, gentle dig at those two. But <laughs> I will talk to you soon, Jackson. Looking forward to all of your content. Um, are you hyped for Summer League, or do you want to see how the draft shakes out first? I'm excited, yeah. I'll, I'll be there for a few days. I'm excited to, to watch it. So, um, yeah, it'll be, you know, I think Summer League. I, summer League is a very casual experience in terms of how I how I view things. Um, but I'm excited to watch some basketball and and watch these guys and, and watch Jaden Springer and maybe, come the, and maybe some of the other young guys. They were pretty fun last year. In, uh, in summer league so looking forward to it again and obviously you know more than just six or summer league there'll be some really fun fun things we might see it we might see a warriors title part two with the, the guys they got they're gonna have moses seriously Moody, oh my god maybe they might they might just run run the uh, nba for the next uh next few months i suppose uh, well that that'll be fun too for the folks in san francisco but until then uh jackson again always fun talking to you and i will speak to you soon yeah absolutely thanks for having me on Thank you.